You're listening to Were You Still Talking? They pump out your blood and they pump in a, a new batch of blood and all of it is the blood of children. All the big stars are going to be on TV now. I mean, it's just the way it's going. Your role, I think, will be played by Brad Pitt. What'd you wear? Uh, I wore my loincloth wrapped around my feet. Are you going by John today? And that's absolutely true. You feel it in every cell in your body. Yeah, you can, you can bend the truth and bend the visualizations no matter what your political affiliation. You could have an alpaca. My a, a girlfriend's daughter recently got married and they had llamas or alpacas at the wedding. A recording room. They recorded uh, a couple songs in the kitchen of Rumbo. So, wait, you, you, you microdosed before this, right? What? Hey, welcome back. This is Joel Albrecht again. And in my studio today, I have Giles Howe. Um, not Howe's, like my wife, but Howe. And uh, he is so accomplished that I can't even begin to do a real introduction on him because he is a producer, writer, performer, uh, mostly in theater, musical theater, but also in, in all types of music, has performed literally all over the world. He is from England now, in, now also teaches now, a big part of his, his uh, current, current uh, study is teaching, which is also study. And we're here largely to talk about his new concept album for something called Soviet Zion, which is a really amazing project. And since I can't even begin to describe it, I'll just start uh, talking. So (laughs) welcome to the studio. Thanks for thanks for being on the Zoom with me today. Thank you very much. uh, Thank you very much for having me. You're so welcome. This project just uh, it looks it looked really interesting to me um, as, as well as, you know, the other things you've done, all the other work you've done. You've done a lot a lot of work you've been doing this performing for a long long time you start you must have started in grade school well uh, i've always been kind of creative and involved in in musicals and expressing myself through music and that's something that i've done since i was uh, since i was uh, young i suppose it's something that it's been been a constant throughout my life. I guess I'm, I'm quite lucky because uh, my father is a musician and my brother is a musician as well and my mother was an artist. So uh, growing up there was um, there was a lot of access to culture and uh, different musical influences to encourage me to, to find my own voice musically. Yeah, it's that's always awesome when you grow up in a family like that it's extremely helpful and yeah extremely helpful and let's get right into this album first because this is the thing (laughs) i know you're you're wanting to promote the most and i'm very curious about how first of all how did you come where did you find this this history and this idea for soviet zion and and maybe you could just describe it a little bit since most of the people listening probably have never heard of it what is it sure Sure, it would be my pleasure. So, um, I had a, a creative partner called Katie Lipson, and we had together written a uh, rock opera, uh, and we wanted to write something um, a bit more sophisticated, a bit more, a bit more grown up, and with a bit more ambition to it. And um, 
we were both very interested in connecting to our Jewish heritage, and we were looking for a piece, not, not a piece, we were looking for a story or a, a theme um, that was very unique, a unique, uh, a unique story to tell. Um, and I went to Israel with an organization called Birthright, Birthright, and I came back and I realized that I knew very little about um, the places that I'd been to visit and the experiences that I had uh, had the opportunity to to explore, and um, so I was reading and uh, I was reading articles, and I came across a footnote in it that mentioned Birabija, um, and I thought, "What's that?" It said in the Jewish Autonomous Region, and I thought, "Well, that's that sounds rather interesting." And I looked into it, and it ended up that there was whole. Uh, land this 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 territory set aside in siberia not, not far from siberia um in the far east of russia as a land for jewish people and i thought well that's fascinating as a jewish person how i can relate to that myself mm -hmm. and that history and then how does that how does this how does the story of 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 this history of this this place that no one really talks about, um, this entire country that came to exist, um, how does that story parallel the other Jewish national narrative? And so I, I, I was very interested at that time to explore questions of how I could relate my Yiddish cultural heritage with the idea of belonging somehow in the Middle East. And so I wanted to write something that explored some of those questions. And uh, it seemed like a really, uh, it ticks a lot of boxes for me as a piece to, to write about. It was fascinating. It was historical. No one really had, had, uh, had, had there's not really anything similar to it. And if I find it fascinating, then perhaps so will uh, so will other people. And when I've spoken about it, this, this topic, to people uh, inside and outside of the community, very few people have heard of it and are fascinated, just like I was, to learn that there was this failed state uh, that still exists and it's, it's full of people. I mean, not many of them are Jewish. Most of them are from Russia and elsewhere, but the history of this place was very much tied to an identity that is part of my of my own and how interesting that I can somehow relate myself geographically to Siberia um, through some of the ideologies and ideas and themes that run through uh, this work exploring this crazy bit of history and so uh, 12 years ago, I embarked upon it, and I thought, oh, what's, the, what's the most ambitious thing I could possibly do? <laughs> <laughs> Four people around a piano, no, that would be too easy, we've done that. Let's go for a full, screw-composed, um, symphonic, large cast, and then just as that was coming together, I thought, well, let's just, let's just do it in Yiddish as well, so... <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we wow. have a we have a very distinctive piece that has two versions 
the English language version, which we've just recorded, um, mm -hmm. whole thing front to back as a operatic radio play. It's just been released, which is what I'm most excited to share with uh, to share with you. Um, we also recorded a selection um, album of extracts from the show performed in Yiddish. And uh, then, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very happy to share that with you. It's been a, a, a lot of a lot of work has gone into it. I knew that when I when 11, 12 years ago, and I thought, yeah, this is this is the vision I have. Um, I didn't underestimate it then, but I think maybe I did a little bit. It's, yeah, it's, it's extremely, I didn't even, I guess I didn't read enough that I didn't realize there was an entire Yiddish version. I, I'm pretty sure I was listening to the English version, it, or I suddenly I understand. So. I yeah. so. It would make more and sense. It, it, it made a lot, yeah, it did make sense, so it must have been the English. And it's it's really fun, it's a really, you know, interesting story, it it draws you right in, It uh, it's been, I mean, the last time I thought about a concept album, honestly, and this is going to age me, was Jesus Christ Superstar. That's the that's the last concept album I I uh, have had heard about. So it seemed like a new old idea. Like I just maybe a lot of people do it, but I haven't heard about it for a while. I mean, the idea is really just to get um, get more people to hear it. Isn't that right? Isn't that really a big yes, part of it? I just want to go back to something you said a moment ago. I think, unless I misheard you, you said the word fun, and I don't want to mislead anybody. It's definitely not 42nd Street. It's, it's um, not. It's not. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite epic and, and meaty in its scope. Um, but it's definitely, there are certainly moments of, of light relief and lighter moments of intrigue. <laughs> but, yes, it has some uh, ancient jokes in it. I, I picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> <Early on. laughs> um, but regarding concept album, uh, well, many successful musicals began life as a concept album. I can think mm -hmm. of of of, uh, of several right off the top of my head, and we figured um, what with a couple a couple of things came into play. What with co currently we it's the middle of a pandemic, and there are so many factors affecting live theatre. Um, we, for example, in, in our rehearsal period, we had to wear masks and visors. Um, right. We had to social distance. We had to air out the um, booths before people, between people. We had so many considerations. And we weren't doing anything in front of a live audience. So just to think how, at this time, how much uncertainty there is as things change from minute to minute. And suddenly... In one place, one thing is allowed, and in another, it's not. Like right here in, in Florida, there's very little restrictions. Whereas in the UK, people uh, can't mix from households. You're not even allowed to walk down the street with more than one person at a time. I mean, um, it's it's anyway. The point is that there's such uncertainty and so much change mm -hmm. that. It seemed like a very attractive option because also, um, like I said, this is a very ambitious piece in, in its orchestration and its um, the sound it delivers. And that's very difficult to do with a live orchestra, but we have been able to create these orchestrations in such a way as 
it facilitated a live recording that delivers this big orchestral uh, experience, much larger than than it would be in a theatre even. Because if you think normally when you're um, writing or orchestrating for the theatre, you have to think, well, how many, how much budget do I have of the tickets I'm going to sell to pay for the orchestra? How many musicians can I physically fit inside the box? And how few can I get away with um, to maximise the sound with as little spend as possible? And so you've got these very different considerations and that's, that can be a, can lead to compromise, and I didn't want to to, to compromise on this sound. It was it, it was an opportunity to have all the bells and whistles that I have had in my head. Right. So we right. have these wonderful, very lavish orchestrations that um, lend themselves very well to um, to a, to a sound recording, really, rather than necessarily to debuting them as a live experience. So. The sound, the the concert album seemed like a natural way to bring this to audiences who otherwise have their regular access to culture uh, currently curtailed. And if it's not safe for you to leave your own home, but you still want um, want to enjoy a theatrical experience, well, this this made sure that this medium meant that it could be shared with people um, all over the world all over the world and right. we have such a national team working together it only made sense that we want to share it with as many people as possible so did you record it all over the place in, in different countries or was <laughs> it was this all were you able to bring everyone uh, to one studio or one city and do it there how, how did you actually work that out because it is it's an amazing achievement a lot of yeah I'm, I'm amazed at all the work that's happening right now, because uh, I know the entertainment industry is really, really slowed down. But there is a lot of work that is happening, and you know, people are doing what they need to do to to make it work. So how were how are you able to do that? Well, uh, the um, orchestrations were recorded here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in Baltimore. Actually, I've never met the person that I worked with orchestrating. We have we've had a very um, productive working relationship and a great friendship, and yet we, we're yet to meet. But I think he's in Baltimore, and that's where the the orchestrations were created. And then I uh-huh. took them with me to the UK, and um, we recorded a very <laughs> a very limited window we uh, and indeed it was um in oops indeed, a very short window absolutely full of drama let me just say that for example um they announced the national lockdown where all non-essential businesses had to close apart from everything that wasn't a chem uh, a pharmacy, a drugstore, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, uh, or a restaurant. Just these were not a restaurant; they were a supermarket. So, drugstores and supermarkets. Everything else was closed. So, our um, sound recording studio had to close, and we lost it. And so, we had to oh, oh we had no. to take over a school because schools could stay open. We took over a school, hired the whole floor of the school, soundproofed it, 
created booths, brought in all the equipment, magically uh, transfigured this school into a recording studio. And, um, oh, just all kinds of crazy, all kinds of crazy dramas. <laughs> well, theater, I mean, it? as difficult as it sounds, it also sounds amazing because, I mean, that that you were able to just keep going and keep thinking up new things and, you know, create a space. Because uh, there long, will be so many people ago, that if, if um, I'm used to doing theater in a grassroots way, I mean, mm-hmm. that's how I cut my teeth. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you don't have a budget or a costume department or uh, uh, or whatever you make do, you make happen what you need to with, with what you have available. And um, if you have challenges, you have to just face them. And and uh, I'm, I haven't done live theatre, or I haven't done a, a produced a piece of theatre like this in a couple of years. Um, so it was extra challenging, blowing off the cobwebs, as well as uh, dealing with challenges as they came. Um, but that's I spent many years doing just that, so it was it was like stepping back into a pair of very well worn boots. Right, it wasn't it wasn't your first production, and it wasn't your first production of this piece either. You you started eleven years ago with Soviet Zion, is that right? Um, yeah, it you... was conceived about twelve. This is its twelfth year since it was first uh, a twinkle in my eye. And um, uh, we first did uh, a little recital of it, um, a recital of selections. It was uh, three singers, Katie and myself, and we were uh, in a theatre above a pub, and it sold out. We did just one evening of shows, of show, and uh, it was just us, the piano, and these singers, uh, very tentatively singing these demos. And then we were very encouraged, so we continued. We did it again. Now we had a, a working draft. I say working very loosely. We had a we had something that had a beginning and an end, and a big ramble in the middle. And we uh-huh. presented that, get it, got it on its feet. Um, by hook or by crook, made it happen. Had a large cast, and I don't know how we made it all, all work, but we did that. And um, it needed a. It was clear at that point that it needed what what direction it needed developing. It certainly wasn't close to being finished piece at that point. So we brought on a um, book writer to join the team, and he transformed it into a. Uh, a book musical, and that gave us the opportunity to give the characters a lot more flesh and bones, um, and deliver a lot more uh, information much quicker, much more quickly than we could if, it, if everything was sung. And that completely transformed the piece. And so, rather than just kind of loosely brushing on on the ideas of the. Uh, the, the kind of political context in which the stories were happening, we were able to really explore how does these, how is these goings on affecting these people, not just in this emotional singing way, but in this, in their repartee and in their interactions with each other 
And so we just, it was a, I'm rambling now, we developed the piece a great deal. We um, staged it in concert in the London Jewish Museum, um, which was beginning to look a lot more like it does today, this recording. And since then, I have created new vocal arrangements. I have created new orchestrations, which really define the piece. That big orchestral sound is um, really integral to, I feel, to to the, the to distinguish the piece. And uh, polished it, trimmed it, cut some of the fat, and um, polished it until it shone like the top of Chrysler building. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, and yeah, so it's 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 it's. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a finished piece. I would I would uh, I would hope that as it gets developed for the stage and for a fully staged presentation, which is yet to happen, um, that it might just get better and better as more people collaboratively involve themselves. Um, and, uh, as it, and as it yeah, as it develops for the stage or possibly for the screen, who knows? Who know? Oh, is that is that a hint? Have you already got some some interest? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not. I don't wish to give anything. But oh, I would say, I'd say, I'd say I would say we're we're well prepared for interested parties to to avail themselves. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now. Yeah, right now we're open to suggestion. We have this. We have this piece. It's not like anything else, um, and it's it's not a little flyaway piece. It's got. I hope it's got some significance to it right. because of the way that it can relate different people to different uh, current events, mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. of their own identity and their own sense of belonging. Um, so we'll see. We'll have to, have to wait and see. So how are you able to? It is a very, like you say, it's a very, uh, it's a very large piece. It's a very um, weighty piece. Was there a lot to re, um, of information to find that? Were you able to get a lot of information, or um, how, you know, because it, it's such an unknown story? It seems to me. Um, it's sure nothing I've heard of before. I think it's new for a lot of people. Was there a lot of history to draw on? Or so, one of the things that made it most interesting to me as a creative is that there was very little um, to draw from compared to other nation-building um, endeavors or similar social experiments. There's often a wealth of uh, footage, but there's very little um really and that i read the books that were available at that time some of them were more accessible than others and some of them were more inspiring than others um but this isn't a history lesson so i'm not trying to necessarily tell people oh you know this happened and then this happened and this happened and these are the dates and this is the history it's more a tale of uh human uh courage and perseverance mm-hmm. and endurance and trials of the human spirit rather than a history lesson. It's how do these people cope with the challenges unique to their to their endeavor that, that they face 
and how do these also how do these different characters cope with each other for example <laughs> the one character is um the spoiled girl from malibu who uh, loves fur and wears a red lip and she's quite buxom and very outspoken and how does she adapt to her life in Siberia and how do how when faced with similar challenges how does she rise to them differently than for example um, the lead character in the show who, um, who has a very different set of circumstances and is trying to get her husband released from prison amongst all other sorts of trials that mm -hmm. poor woman endures. I mean, I have to tell you, we took we we, we uh, took her eye and a little bit out of the fire before. <laughs> which she had some awful, awful tragedies happen to her that no longer happen. She now keeps her eyesight. Uh, she doesn't lose. She doesn't have a child eaten by a bear. Um, there's lots of. I mean, she's practically living in paradise compared to <laughs> how terrible um, her, her lot she had when we first started writing the piece, but um, she certainly still has a lot of <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. And how it's, that must have been difficult to, to, ch to, um, to change it and not have her child eaten by a bear when she's living in Siberia. That, that's, that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> the was huge. So, <laughs> I mean, there was a reason that it had to happen. Like, I, I won't even go into it, but something very distinctively Siberian had to happen uh -huh. um, uh -huh. in order to justify this whole other thing that no longer happened. So it's, it's crazy how pieces get written and changed. And I definitely hope it's changed for the better because that would have been a really shocking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do. I know this is a strange thing to say, but I, I do hope you have to explain over and over that it's not a history lesson, because the more you have to explain that, the better it's doing. The more people are oh. hearing about it, the more people are seeing it. Because uh, I noticed that a lot with with uh, things I see. I mean, it even happened with Hamilton. Hamilton has gotten all kinds of um, guff because the characters aren't like, the, you know, there's there's inconsistencies in there in the history and it's like, well, yeah, it's a play. It's a musical. It's, it's also, it's probably closer to a history lesson, but it's not, you know, it, it's, the, it's, it's based on these characters. And, and it's a very creative way to talk about um, certain aspects. Exactly. If you, you know. want history, read a book. Exactly. If you yeah. want to yes. see somebody's ex expression of how that history made them, made their imagination run, then watch a musical, you know, better you should watch a musical and be full of questions about, okay, well, that looked like an inconsistency. Well, great. That's a question that you are now asking yourself and you will be inspired to go out and find the answer. Great. Your brain, your, you will be inspired and your knowledge will expand and everyone's a winner. Unfortunately, I hate Hamilton and I thought, you know, <laughs> but it's true what you're saying i mean that's what that's what art's about is is inspiring inspiring people and you know making them think think about something they might not have thought about or think about something differently that's a big a big part of art or you know making them feel something they might not have felt uh before they saw the piece so um it, yeah that's an awesome piece of it and this one definitely you know that's one of the great things about a piece like this is that 
I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people like myself who, who are going to be like, wow, this is completely different. This is a new piece of history no one knew about, which there's a lot of things in Siberia I'm sure no one knows about. You know, it's, it's not a country that um, most of the world knows a lot about, except that's where they sent people when they screwed up during World War II, if you were in the Russian army. That, you know, that, that's kind of the, the main thing that people know. Oh, I was just looking at some notes. I think I asked almost all of those things. So now I'm going to have to wing it. Uh, <laughs> I did want to talk a little. You, How did you have time? Um, I mean, it looks like you're a very busy performer, producer, writer. Where did you find the time to to put this idea to music and, and story and, and all that kind of stuff? I mean, did you have some... Well, I'm very stubborn, so if, I'm, uh -huh. if I've decided that it's going to happen, then one way or other, I'm, I'm going to try and make it happen. And I will say it, it is, well, it's a balance. It's a labor of love. There's a lot of tedium that goes in. Normally, something like this would be a whole team of different specialists would come together to collaborate mm -hmm. and create each their own you know, they each bring something to the table. But because this is done with such a small creative team and I've been doing a lot of it um, myself, I've had to do a lot of very uh, tedious things to make it happen. But there's also been some wonderful, wonderful moments making it happen. Like writing the thing itself is great. I sat at the piano with Katie and we would just outward pour music and and... That's really, you know, that's magical. You take it for granted when you're around musicians or when when you're in the flow of creating music that this wonderful melody, that this earworm that will that, that people may sing for hundreds of years to come or, or that will move people or just to, just to just sit there and out. That's magic. And um, so a lot of it, a lot of it happened. Um, just as part and parcel of our friendship mm -hmm. and part and parcel of our uh, creative trajectories at that time. Um, so I wouldn't just, I mean, it's difficult to, yeah, I think that's the best answer I can give to your question is that a lot of it was just a pleasure and the stuff that wasn't a pleasure, well, it wasn't an option not to do it. So, and a lot of it, all, it's all of a ple all of it's a pleasure. Even the tedious stuff, you come. I've learned, for example, I use a really primitive notation system, um, and through having to use that to get from my head onto paper what something I can communicate and then you know bring people together has hugely advanced my own skills and knowledge so even the tedious stuff has been um worthwhile it's been worthwhile i mean it, yeah it's worthwhile it'll be worthwhile if people enjoy it but even even if then even then it's been worthwhile you know i've met some really fantastic people the girl that i translated it into yiddish with uh i've got to find out all about her her, uh, her upbringing and her way of life which is completely different from my own and learn a whole new language and 
um, yeah, and connect with fantastically talented people. The, the, there are some cast members who were in uh, the concert we did in the Jewish Museum, as well as this recording that we did in London, who are just mad as boxes of frogs, and I love them. I mean, just wonderful people that I'm so happy that our paths have crossed um, through this creative work, and I hope to meet many more wonderful, crazy creatives through it. That's always one of the best parts about working with creative people is, you know, they're often often mad as a box of frogs, as you say, but that's what makes them so great. In the you best know, that, way. In yeah, the best in the way. best that's, way. That's the, that's the great thing about working in creative arts is that you meet such colorful people, colorful, wonderful people. Right, right. And now, I mean, and you're getting to pass that on as well. How how long have you been teaching? Have you always taught? Have you always taught voice? I know this is a bit of a swing, but I'm also interested in, in that part of things. Sure, sure. No, I haven't always taught. I mean, I've, I've, I've always been, always, but I've, I've uh, very consistently been involved in coaching people or mentoring people or just kind of helping bring out... Uh, bring out the best in people through their own creative expression or um, confidence. Or So it's something that kind of came very naturally to me, also especially having worked producing, doing some, having, when you're producing in, in grassroots ways, you're so involved in the creative process, you know, it's not just writing, fundraising, writing a check and, and uh, you know, it's not hands-off, Thing. It's a very involved process. So I was always involved in kind of bringing bringing out in people what I what I saw in them, and so teaching teaching came very naturally. And then with my experience as a performer, I felt that I had skills that I could then pass on to others. Um, and at first, I was a little nervous because even though I'd done bits and pieces, it was a different context and. Also, these a lot of, a young adults, a lot of them, a lot of my students are about 14. Mm -hmm. And that's um, it's a lot of responsibility to be, to be working with someone at that age because they're very impressionable, they're very delicate. Um, and the role that you can play in their life is, is, is hugely significant. Little things that you might say that are misinterpreted become enormous issue you know what i mean big deals for people of that age and and you could you have to be very careful how you communicate and um but then e equally when you do achieve a good communication the, the, how quickly they develop it's just it's just wonderful i love it i have i am so proud of of my students and i um i have quite a distinctive what I like is quite distinctive. And I said to them, you go to another singing teacher, they're going to give you a totally different approach. You, as your individual, you're going to find your own way, but you're with me right now, so I'm going to teach you that. And I look very much at the, the truth in the text, and mm -hmm. that that should inform every decision you make. Um, but I like risk-taking. I, I like people to sing in 
slightly extreme parts of their voice. And I think that's clearly reflected in my writing. I don't, I don't want to, to listen to someone not take risks. I want to listen to somebody emote on a heightened level because that's exciting for me in theatre. If it was pedestrian and it was just, oh, you know, I would like a loaf of bread and now oh, would you also like to make, no one cares. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I like yeah, theatre where, yeah, I do know where you you're mean. compelled into this, into this heightened way of communicating because whatever it is that you're communicating is bigger than you. It's bigger than your speaking voice. It's bigger than your yeah. normal mo mode of communication. It's, and that's what I'm there to see. So it doesn't matter if I'm there to see The Little Mermaid or The Colour Purple or, 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 or whatever. It doesn't matter. I want the same heightened sense of the heightened delivery of emotions because that's and so I I, 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 don't, I won't compromise. That's what I demand from my students. And so I throw them in at the deep end and I have them sing Verdi's Requiem uh, on one week and then we'll be singing I don't know, the Wiz, the next, not the next week, from week to week, but we jump from really diverse material mm -hmm. to try and explore how many different voices there are within the voice and then how to connect them together so that when you sing, you're not singing just on one level. You're involving as much contrast and uh, diversity within your sound as you can to achieve the maximum emotional delivery and that because that's the kind of delivery that I find exciting and um and my students do me proud they probably think I'm bonkers bonkers but I am um, and whether they take the technique that we work together in the room out into the world is that's up to them but what what's very gratifying is I can see that they find their voices and the strength of their voices and their confidence and they can take a text about something that they have no, no personal connection to, or let's say, and they can act it. They can put themselves in the shoes of somebody having an experience that they've never had and fully commit to delivering how that might feel to an audience. And they grow in their confidence. And it's, it's like watching a flower bloom. It's great. I, yeah. It's, and when it's not great, it's very frustrating. I'm, I'm learning that I have less patience than I thought I did for beginners. <laughs> I thought I had this <laughs> deep well of patience. <laughs> That's funny. Drawn from forever, but no, I do not. It is, um, uh, yeah. But uh, I enjoy working with all my students because each one of them has a different challenge. But um, yeah, each one of them, each one of them takes huge steps forwards every time we work together, and that makes me. Um, very proud, mm -hmm. very proud of them. Well, that's, yeah, that's awesome to see. You kind of lit up when I asked about your, about the teaching. So that shows that you're probably very, very good at it. I mean, in teaching's a, um, it's an, it's an awesome thing. I mean, when you can teach and when you can pass on what you know, and, you know, you have a lot of experience in it. It's great that you're able to pass that on and that you're able to see how fragile students are, how fragile people are at that age, because, uh, I mean, people are fragile at every age, but, you know, it, if you, it helps if teachers can see that when they're working with someone who's 14 and, uh, you well, know, I, I remember being that, that age 
myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember the influence that certain people had on me um, and how instrumental they were in, in uh, creating my sense of self and my confidence. And when they were able to see me at a time when I wasn't really sure that anyone, when I couldn't even necessarily see myself and lots of other people couldn't, and they were just like, yeah, I see you. And, you know, thumbs up. That's very empowering. And I'm, it's an honor to be able to do that for somebody else. And um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a huge, a huge honor. Because also if you think about it at that age, a lot of, it's not true for everyone, but a lot of people, um, uh, a lot of people don't get necessarily that one-on-one -on -one attention especially if they have many siblings or if their parents are working or if they go to a school with large classes, there isn't necessarily much opportunity for them to have a one-on-one -on -one time with, first of all, with, with an adult or a young adult, I mean, um, and very specifically about raising your voice and speaking your mind and being confident. And I think singing lessons, even if you're, even if, I have students with very small voices. They're not going to ever do anything. They're never going to be a great singer. I mean, not, not to belittle them at all. It's just their instrument is limited in what it can do. But the confidence that learning to work with what they've got has given them and the doors that it unlocks otherwise, okay, so you're not going to be an opera singer, but you can deliver. You could you could deliver a PowerPoint presentation and have the marketing department in tears. That's true. Or just I, I've had a couple of students in particular who were so far of my even they would never give themselves permission to take up space in the room. And now they walk into a room and they're just like, you know, yeah, I'm gonna let you have it. And I love I just I'm really happy to have been part of that. Um delivering them their sense of young adulthood, you know, and it's lovely. I'm really happy to be part of, to be part of doing that. Well, I think that's the beauty of, of acting, personally, acting and, and performing. I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, as they say, which is why I switched to drums, because I found out early on that I, I was tone deaf younger. Now that I've engineered for a lot and, and helped other singers sing into a mic, I can now hear notes, but I can't sing them. At least I can hear. Um, but it makes. Uh, but I've acted for a long, long time, and uh, anybody, yeah, anyone who can be turned on to acting in any way, I think it 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 helps. You know, in every level of their life. I mean, they're having corporations are having acting teachers come in now and and vocal coaches to to teach people how to you know how to like you say how to present stuff, and it, it yeah it's it makes a huge difference. But especially in just how you feel your confidence. I mean, you know, once you when you get off stage uh, and you've had a good rehearsal or a good performance, you just feel amazing. And maybe it doesn't last for longer than a few hours, but <laughs> it's an amazing feeling to be able to pass that on as much as I mean, I remember that when I was in when I was about 14, I had my first really good acting teacher. Um uh, and like he was an amazing actor and he 
he did musicals and he it made a yeah made a huge difference on my life just for him to say yeah i i can i know you can do this this is something you can do if you want uh, makes it makes a huge difference and and now i'm putting it into um years later podcasting so <laughs> it's it's still useful because you know uh, oh there he is there she is There's the dog. <laughs> Did pretty good for a while, though. Yeah, we, we yeah. got a little while out of here. Yeah, got a while. <laughs> what kind of dog? Um, he's part uh, half Chihuahua and half Great Dane. Really? No. <laughs> really. Like what? This isn't. It's possible. <laughs> no, you know? I'm sorry. Boom! Boom! Correct. He, uh, he's, I don't know what he is, he's a mutt, he's a rescue, he's mm -hmm. part this, part that, and uh, he's a good boy. <laughs> Maybe he was getting jealous, because you were getting all the attention, I know I that happened. I think the postman came, and they got, he got excited. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, are you having to teach um, almost remotely now? Can you do live teaching at this point? Both. 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 There's both. restrictions. I mean, mm -hmm. we have to wear a mask and be distant, but um, that's good. It's not really good to be singing right next to somebody anyway, because you're not going to. When would you stand on stage and sing like you would if you were someone who was right here in your ear? Right. So, um, yeah. No, I have to do also on Zoom and, of course, and uh, in person as well, mm -hmm. which I much prefer in person. I find it much more. It's much easier to engage. <laughs> if anyone is listening and not, not getting that, there's a dog in the background. There's a big dog. No one's coughing. <laughs> a big dog. Uh, yeah, I have... Um, Zoom has saved my podcast because I was doing it in studio. And so... and still would rather be sitting across from someone i completely understand i mean you it's so different having a conversation through a screen but the other side of it is i get to speak to people you know uh, a country away and sometimes a continent away that i wouldn't be able to speak to otherwise so that part is is amazing it, you know to be able to to reach out this far and uh talk to people is really something because it would it would cost a good deal more to fly where you are or <laughs> if you've flown here and put up it, it's it's a definitely a bit of a money saver but yeah there are challenges there are definitely challenges it's it's hard to, you can't have the same conversation uh and especially lesson over uh over the zoom yeah it certainly makes it a little more challenging but hopefully this will all pass, you know. There'll be some sort of normal. Some, some, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, Just let's, I hope it won't last forever, that's all. It and won't last forever. When we come it, back together, there yeah. will be improvements because we'll appreciate each other more. I sure hope so. That's, that's what we're all hoping. And, and I, I don't, I think it won't be too long. I, my uh, wife and I watch way too much news and information about it. Um, especially my wife, but things are, 
you know, there are a lot of different possibilities for being able to get back to normal sooner than later. So, or at least back to something, uh, something like normal. It, it's really been something, but it also has shown that people can, uh, people can get through stuff, you know, people can get through anything where there's all kinds of creative ideas coming out of this of how to keep connecting with people and, and with each other. And some of them great, some of them not so great, but <laughs> the, uh, we're still working. We're still here. It's, it's still happening. I mean, you were able to do an entire album, which is pretty amazing with, you know, and not just in your house, not just at your house. <laughs> That's pretty incredible yeah. that you were able Thank to do you. that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I hope that um, I hope that the, this will bring about some change within the entertainment industry. Not by the album, but the, rather the situation. Um, that, and not to pick on anyone in particular, but okay, Duck Dynasty is great. <laughs> <laughs> Kardashians, but would you rather be seeing them in your magazines and television and news feeds and in your entertainment media, or the very talented people from Cirque du Soleil who are currently out of work and the people who would otherwise be on the West End? And, and why should the experience, this wonderful theatrical experiences of Broadway and, and, and these shows that people cannot experience right now, with the current technology, we should be able to deliver that through television and other similar mediums to to, to 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 marry these two forms of entertainment again. And I remember when when I was growing up, there was a lot more cultural programming on the four channels that we received in the UK. I know Americans find that great. We had four channels for the longest time. And... Uh, Growing up, there was always a lot more, I felt like there was a lot more content on there that involved people who are practitioners within the actual performance arts. And I would like to see a return to that. And I hope that, I hope that, I hope that that will be an outcome of all this, the change in the industry and all this, this that's happening is that that will, that will happen on television, we will see a lot more talented people being given the opportunity to do their talent and not in a competitive way, you know? These variety acts where they come on and they get done with the food by a panel of judges. Okay, yeah, you're spinning plates, but that's a lot. You try it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, hate, I can't. It's not fair to put I, different yeah. people with different skills up against each other. And if the only opportunity you get to experience variety acts and and uh, light entertainment is in a competitive environment. Well, that's that's BS because they're not. It's not a competitive sport. You want to watch? Right. watch go watch people run around a, in a circle and a track. You know, go watch people kick a football around. This isn't that. This is art, and I think it would be nice to see more of it celebrated for what it is, rather than treated as a, as, a, as competition. I would. Yeah, I for one would love to see that. I mean, you you were very lucky to have the BBC growing up, which we did not have. You know, we didn't have that until cable. <laughs> That's where we got to see a lot of that programming. There was a long time ago, even before my time, there they had this um 
they would have theater programs on, and and some of the greatest American actors, you know, their first productions were in these. Uh, basically, they were videotaped theater performances, and it would be amazing to see that come back. You know, the the film that they put out of. Hamilton was incredible, and it was kind of a combination of that. I didn't realize. Recently, I saw a bit more about what they did, and they kind of combined filmmaking and theater, and you got a really good sense of that play. You know, nothing like sitting in an audience and seeing a performance, but still, to expose more people to that kind of performance would be be amazing. I feel like Grease 2 kind of killed off the movie musical. <laughs> and all these little Maybe like attempts be. to resuscitate it have so far failed because the shadow of that cast is so long. But um, <laughs> the technology and filmmaking has changed, and now that kind of static experience of, of filming theatre is no longer what's expected. Is that you know that's, that's no longer we've moved so far beyond that that this experience of watching Hamilton was was. Hamilton. It was really cinematic, very engaging. <laughs> um, Somebody, has yeah, to. and it would be great. It would be great to have, and also we have now in a totally new way. We have streaming services straight to people's homes. You don't have to wait for something to come on. You don't have for something to be popular enough for millions of households to want to watch it all at the same time. For advertisers to pay for it to be programmed onto the TV or however it works, you can now find really strange, wonderful pieces of, of, of entertainment through these very specialist channels. I was watching something the other day called The Rise and Fall of Mahagoni, which is a very strange opera. I thought, well, then there's hope for me. This me. <laughs> and so, so as people become more hungry for new musicals and also tired of the old, you know, it's one, Les Mis is amazing and Mr. God is wonderful and fantastic. Oh, well, I was going to ask you about Les Mis. But there's more. What you thought like, of that? They're all 25 years old and there's <laughs> so much wonderful new talent to film it, to film these shows, to get it out on streaming services so that people, even if you're far away from a fringe theatre or a theatre festival or a fringe scene, can still enjoy these crazy, you know, madcap grassroots shows because that's where that, you know, that's the zeitgeist is in, in all of those. What were you going to ask me about Les Mis? Oh, if you if you hated that too, because no, I, I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> I Depends was who's singing it. I've got well, I was really it. impressed with the last movie version. Um, because I have of to how sing, they... I have to sing Javert though when when it's on. That would be better. I wish I could have you sing that while I watched it. That that's my only, yeah. That was kind of my the only gripe with that movie. The character the, um... will be played by John. It's the technology. What they did though was so different <sighs> because they were singing as they filmed. That was that's not done very often. And I thought that really opened up a different performance. You know, I think that's really what made that movie stand out is that the actors were singing it. They weren't lip syncing. And um, that makes a big difference. You know, lip syncing and singing is different. What did you make of Cats? Uh, I still haven't seen Cats, mainly because it didn't get very good. (laughs) Didn't get very good uh, reception. I loved it. Did you? Okay, now I'll I'll have to watch it then. 
Was it the best musical, the best movie I've ever seen in my whole life? No. Was it? Is it something that I would find very enchanting as a child and quite enchanting as an adult? Yeah. And mm-hmm. was I moved to tears? Surprisingly, yes. Twice. Wow. Wow. And, this, and, and for that to happen in a story where there is nothing happening and no consequence, that's quite extraordinary. Right. Um, especially right. in a movie with James Corden. That's not the kind of thing you're going to say. Oh, I cried twice in a movie with James Corden and Rebel Wilson, but I did. And I tell you, though, both times it was when (laughs) it was when Jennifer Hudson opened her mouth. I just couldn't. (laughs) She's she's just she's just magical. I get Uh goosebumps just thinking Mm -hmm. about 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 her magical voice. But um, her performance was wonderful. The CGI craziness. It's, it, it's what a bizarre movie. And I think most of the people who've had horrible things to say about it just enjoy seeing horrible things. I thought it was definitely worth a watch. Might not be your cup of tea, but it's but it might, it might be. You never know, because I do like musicals. I mean, the last the last thing I was really surprised by was the um, Jesus Christ Superstar live version that they did with... Um, Oh geez, now I'm forgetting his name. He's a really good jazz R and B singer, and he I can't remember. The oh, actual, you know that guy. That guy. But yeah. so many of these. It was a. It was a network. We're gonna do this live on a network. It's honestly one of my favorite musicals because I really like the music because there's a lot of drums in it, and I just I like the music from that show. So I thought, don't screw this up. I'll give it five minutes. The minute Judas comes on, it's phenomenal. I mean, he's a, that that character always steals that. Oh, did I lose you? That character always no, steals that good. show. But he, uh, you know, happened again. The the performer who plays that and everyone in it, uh, John Legend. John Legend did as well as John Legend can do playing that part. I'll just put it that way. But you know, as well as he can do. Um, but the, all the other performers were, re- and it was done as on a, as a play so that i like too they didn't try and make it something else they filmed a play on stage and did a really good job of that so anyway enough of the theater reviews although i like (laughs) i could do more but i know you've got to go somewhere so uh i will let you go um it's really been great having you on the show. It's, it's Thank been you. fantastic. It's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed speaking with you, and I hope your audience have enjoyed. Uh, have enjoyed our conversation. <laughs> uh, I, I hope so too. I think they will because I, I want them to go out and see, and listen to, and pick up. Uh, um, uh oh! I spaced out the name. What am I doing here? Uh, Soviet Zion SovietZion.com So this has been Were you still talking? This is Joel Albrecht And I've been talking to um, Giles Howe He is the creator, producer, mastermind Also an amazing performer Behind Soviet Zion And really appreciate you being on the show And I appreciate all of you for listening uh, go to the Soviet Diane website and check it out. It's quite a piece. It, it's uh, there's a, it's, it's pretty amazing, pretty amazing piece of art, and I hope you all listen to it, and I hope you all come back and listen to this podcast again, and don't be shy about sharing it. Share it with your friends, and as I always say, be good to each other, and 
Be good to yourselves. <laughs>